Hello, hello. Welcome to the Poly Effect. This is Preeti Tana. And this is Didi Perry. Preeti, happy Friday! I know. Again, they come by so fast, I feel. Even oh. during this uh, pandemic. You know, I think even more so. Because I have no sense of time anymore. And it's just like, you wake up, you wake up, it's Friday again! And that's all it is. So, this is the new normal. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I mean, I'm fine. I'm f- actually, I'm I'm fine now because we're here yeah. getting to do this. I must say, mm-hmm. this week has whooped my behind. I I you know what I realized I can't do. I had a Bali moment. I realized my behind can no longer pull an all nighter. It destroys me. If I don't sleep just through now, a whole night, just now you realize. You know, I think I've been in denial about it for a while, but, uh, mm-hmm. and I think I might have discussed this earlier, but I had to almost pull one. I got like two and a half hours of sleep uh, at some point to some point because of work and I'm exhausted still. And that was like solidly three days ago and I can barely keep my eyes open. But here and now doing this gives me like a shot of adrenaline and caffeine. So after we push stop, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. But I'm gonna give it all I got. Like just big blast crescendo. How are you doing? I'm good. We had a busy week. We had a busy week with the Bali effect. We launched on YouTube. I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it's oh, like it, it's kind on? of funny. Yeah, I, let, let me go change my outfit. <laughs> So we we made some adjustments and that was fun. Um, but I'm happy it's Friday too. It's a long weekend, but yes, that doesn't really mean anything because it'll be the same as every other weekend that I've had since this started. Well, hopefully you will have more time to yourself because a lot of your time is given to, you know, other pursuits. But you can turn it inward for the next three days. I hope. That's the plan. That's All the right. plan. Well, let me ask you a question, my dear friend. Go for it. And, okay. Yeah, you you don't know what I'm about to ask you. So, just No, we've done this every week now, so I'm a little nervous about this. I I do find it fun, but go ahead, go. All right. Ask. So, uh, to our listeners out there, the five of you, thank you so much. Um, You might not know it, but, but Tara is an extremely accomplished person in her own right. Yes, she is. And she has a dope career. But I wonder, when you were growing up as a kid, did you have role models that you were able to pattern your future after? And because it said, you know, a kid can't dream about what they don't see. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. What, what did you see or not I- see? Uh, so I think we've spoken about this in another podcast, so I'm glad this is the question because I have some foundational answer here, but I spent most of my time, uh, watching Bollywood movies because that was the big form of entertainment in the household. So for me, um, you know, I had one side that I, uh, of my parents or whomever telling me I had to do certain things, but I really, (laughs) you know, watched these movies and thought, I thought they were, I thought, you know, the actors of the time were so cool and amazing. And that's what I wanted to kind of do. I don't know if I wanted to be 
a Bollywood actor. I just wanted to sing and dance. This was my um, sort of understanding of, of what what um, what I thought I should be doing. But I've lost you, D. Where are you? I'm still here, and I can see you. Okay. Keep keep I going. I'm listening. You. That's all right. I'm in the I'm in the action. <laughs> so I think. I think that's sort of where I would spend most of my time in, in the world of, of music and dance. And so that wasn't all the time, but that was most of my time when I wasn't in school. That's, that's kind of where I, I don't know if, I don't recall anyone in particular when I was much younger. Um, I think that most of the time I was just trying to figure out how to, this sounds odd, but how to survive. And not so much um, that it was, you know, that I wasn't thriving or wasn't being taken care of, but it was just a, a unique experience for me to be this Indian girl um, in America. Not that, you know, just in terms of how I adjusted and coming home versus going to school. And I felt like every day I was trying to figure out um, what I was supposed to be doing. And I never really got the answer to that. Huh, well, you seem to have found your way. Uh, certainly with what you were working with, was your aspiration to become um, somehow connected to the Bollywood uh, movie scene or something else? Probably. Oh, there you are. Probably. But um, there are some limiting factors, you know, most poignantly that I couldn't speak Hindi at the time or understand it. But I think I just wanted to be in the in this world that was sort of fun and exciting and it seemed to be colorful and alive. And I think at the when I was growing up, I always felt that I was living in this this sort of very strict black and white world. And so those avenues of creativity, music, dance, um, acting, whatever it was, that allowed me to feel as though I was really tapping into what I would consider life. You know, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, for I mean, I don't know that I even allowed myself to say, oh, you can do something like this or you can be something other than a doctor, which is what I thought I wanted to be for a very long time. So I, it was more of um, that's over here and out there and you are here and this is what you're doing, which is, you know, kind of why I'm so excited to talk about talk to our guest today, because I think some of these themes are going to come up. I don't know. Well, I certainly have a lot of questions. Who who we have in the house? It, it, well, I mean, in his house, not our house, because we're all in our own houses. <laughs> we're all in our own homes. Who's our guest um, today? We, writer, actor, comedian Thurn Shetty is here from Los Angeles. Hey, Thurn. Hey. How are you? How's it going? How's it going? Um, Thurn, I've known Thurn for a little while, and I can't wait to get into all the fun stuff that he's doing and sort of ask him some of the questions that we've been excited to ask. But uh, Thurn, rumor has it that you grew up in this small town in New Hampshire. Yes. What was that like? It, it was good. I was really lucky. I grew up uh, in Laconia, New Hampshire. And uh -huh. uh, it was almost like that show, The Wonder Years in the 80s. Where oh, the show. It, it was like a suburban, you know, upbringing with a lot of a lot of white people. We were the only Indians in our town, and my dad had a had a pretty good medical practice, and and it was an idyllic life. So I think I was really privileged to grow up there with with good people and values. Did you have? I mean, uh, we were... 
Go ahead, Dee. You know what? The thing is, I'm getting a delay, but we're going to try and figure this out. Go ahead. No, uh, I mean, this is kind of tongue in cheek. Was there a, a middle-aged white man narrating your thoughts in your mind when you were growing up? Like Ben uh, Davis? Yeah, definitely. It, it was definitely, uh, was, it was, was it Daniel Stern, the, the, host, the <laughs> narrator of it? Daniel Stern's voice was in my head. Nonstop. I thought it was uh, that tennis player, McEnroe. Oh, no, a different show, different show. Same concept. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was, it, it, it was great. It was great. I, I really think uh, a lot of who I am as a person today came from growing up in New Hampshire, like having a classic American values and just, you know, being that New Hampshire kid. So I think I bring a lot a lot of that to my comedy and just life perspective. Now, as a kid, was a- the- go ahead. Go ahead. We- we- this is really funny because just yesterday we were like, we finally figured out the visual cues on doing this podcast but i'm gonna claim the delay um but darn where you, you guys you didn't have a lot of indian family friends did you um we did but they were like an hour two hours away like there was a big indian population in massachusetts so mm-hmm. a lot of indians grew up like this like there's a there's a lot of get-togethers with indian families and they all congregate at somebody's house on a weekend and they you know people would dress up in their saris and just a way for people who uh, who came from India to reconnect with with their culture. So we were definitely privy to that, and and you know that happened like once a month, twice a month, where we drive to Massachusetts, to Andover, Boston, wherever, to meet up with families. Breathe, you got one, or can I go? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, we're doing so, so well. I know. It's like a game show. It is. It is. And Turn a- it into one. <laughs> um, so as a child, was a future in comedy something that you envisioned for yourself? Or was there a different uh, set of expectations? No. It was something I enjoyed doing. Like I was, I was writing comedy things just as a kid, not knowing anything about it. But like I was just trying to write sketches just because I liked doing it. Like when I was like twelve, but I never really envisioned. I really liked writing, but I, I wasn't that ambitious. Where I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my career, like oh, how I'm gonna sustain myself. It was just kind of it was things that happened organically as a kid that kind of developed as I got older. So it's interesting. Sarah Silverman said hundred uh, percent of comedians become comedians because somewhere in their childhood they needed to be funny in order to survive. Does that resonate with you at all? Um, because she's kind of out there. Hey, and they say you know ninety nine percent of statistics are made up on the spot. So what do you? What does she know? Yeah, you know I'm 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 a fan of Sarah Silverman. I actually met her once because I know she's from New Hampshire. I don't know. I, I think I could have survived without being funny. Just being, there were moments I had in high school where I was funny, but I didn't rely on it to, to survive. I, I relied more on being able to be invisible, which is being like a classic Indian kid of just putting your head down and working. Like, like that. I went to boarding school, which is can be kind of savage at times. So I would, I, I could easily just disappear if I wanted to. Like that was my survival technique to just not be conspicuous. Now I got a veer off script too, because I went to boarding school as well. May I ask, um, in that environment, as a person of color, I felt it very difficult to not stand out 
by virtue of shit that I had no control over. I shouldn't describe it as shit, but you know what I mean. You know, uh, visually, uh, it's uh, what they call it, the spot in the milk. So when you say that you were wanting to be invisible, uh, do you, what do you mean by that? I just mean don't draw attention to yourself. I think some kids can can form identities of how they are, like in terms of, oh, I'm the funny guy, I'm the athletic kid, I'm the pretty girl, whatever that identity is in high school. I was, maybe it's from growing up in New Hampshire, like even my boarding school was very, you know, white predominant, but I could even, even in that setting, I was okay with just you know, doing my thing and just not calling attention to myself. I think later on, I started doing more outgoing things like drama club, whatever, but for the most part, I kind of figured out how to not draw attention to myself. So when did you realize that you were funny? I still don't have, I haven't realized that yet. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It might be questionable still. He is funny, actually. He's very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, you're the second guy that, that we're speaking to who describes being very, like, I'm, I'm assuming studious, quiet, low key um, in the high school phase, but then blossoming out to something much more extroverted and uh, colorful. So by the time that you were getting ready to go to college, um, what what did you have in mind for, for wanting to study and, and pursue? Well, I, I wanted to be a TV writer. I got that's what the initial genesis of it was. So I started doing stand-up just to learn how to write jokes, like in Boston. And then I started interning for a TV show called Spin City, which was, you know, Michael J. Fox. I was like a writer. Really cool. So I got to like see like how they, you know, put together scripts and and put the jokes in, in the stories, et cetera. But I was also doing stand-up through college. So when I graduated, it was almost like, you know, two roads I could have gone down and I wanted to keep going in New York because I felt like Something to said to keep going what I was doing. And plus, writing, I felt like at the time, I felt like it was just so behind the scenes. And I really wanted to be more of a performer at that time. So can I, were your parents okay with you going to school and not focusing on anything that had like more in the creative field? Were they very supportive of whatever you guys wanted to do? So you guys, you know, because I know your brothers, but. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, obviously, you know, my brother, Neil, so Neil pretty, you know, he followed the traditional thing. So I, I was lucky I had an older brother who kind of took that bullet and yeah, I'm sure they were concerned, but they, they never tried to hinder me in any way whatsoever. It told me not to do something. So I, I feel like I, I lucked out with parents because I know sometimes Indian parents can be, they can stymie your whole progress, so you create creative endeavors. And I got really lucky that my parents were supportive. Yeah, so, I think it's pretty rare, actually. Yeah. Were, were your early years, like straight out of college, doing stand-up, what you expected they were going to be? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think there's like an ego with 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 me there was i mean i definitely felt like i progressed fast and i would rise fast and like those breaks definitely did not happen you know the way i would like them to in retrospect it probably happened for the best but but it was hard it was definitely new york's like a grind a grind out there especially the comedy scene like passing out 
and I was passing out flyers for a stage time. I was working the door at comedy clubs. So it was, it was extremely challenging, you know, when, when you, you see this other route you can go down of just meritocracy of going to school, graduate school, whatever. Instead, you're outside on the street passing out flyers to people like walking by you in the cold. You know, it's a, it's a hard thing, but for some reason, I felt like that was what I had to do at that moment in time. Well, what kept you going? Because I think it's pretty easy for someone to be like, this is crap. You know, I can't keep standing out here passing out flyers or it's been, you know, a year or two years and I've, and I don't know if this is true. I haven't really progressed the way I thought I should. What were, what were some of the things where you said, besides saying, this is what I want to be doing. Was there something else that you tapped into that said, Hey, ever man, this is, I can't imagine doing anything else. I mean, honestly, it was probably ego just as a kid thinking, Oh, I'll get my shot eventually. Like it'll just happen. Like there was a lot of idealism, especially in your twenties, like the way you think, the way I thought. And, and I, I would see people sometimes, you know, blow up and I would be like, well, I, that's, I, I still think like that. Like I wouldn't be doing this if I, if I didn't have some hope, you know, like even though I do it now more for the enjoyment of it, like back then it was like, I had to reach certain benchmarks to, to be happy. And, and I saw that around me. So I thought it was just a matter of time before. You know, and I had, I had some great, op- I had some pretty close breaks, but you know, it is what it is. So you just kind of go with the flow of it. What was your measure for success in your, because you've been at this for, for decades, which is incredible and inspiring. When you first started out, what was your measure for success? And has that evolved over time? Yes. I mean, the measure for success for me when I was starting out, it was definitely to make money, to be famous, to, to, um, I didn't understand the business that well. All I could see like was, was what in front of you, what was in front of me. And I was just a kid. So I would just see guys from LA. Like I'd be like working over at the comedy club in Boston comedy club and see like Tracy Morgan come down in his, you know, in his, uh, Bentley or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, this is what success is. Cause he'd go right on stage or Jay Moore was hot at the time. This uh, comedy actor, so I was like, I guess that's what it is when you have people just, you know, kissing your ass and you're just crushing on stage. I mean, these guys were good comics, too. But for me, I was like, I guess there's a there's a tangible thing you can see around you that which equates success, which which I mean, I was a kid, too. I was in my early 20s and I didn't know anything else. And as I got older, you start seeing other life perspective. You start seeing you start seeing how fleeting it is. You see people come up, go down. You see people randomly pop through different avenues. Like there's this whole world that people don't really understand about comedy. And I feel really lucky that I was able to come up young because I got to see like when I was working the door, like Kevin Hart was like doing spots, you know, normal 10 o'clock spots. So like, I got to see people come up and rise, but I saw people like crash and burn. And I feel like, uh, I'm I'm more about the journey of it now. Like if I can do what I'm doing and I can sustain myself, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm successful, you know, without having to get all the adulation. You know something? You know, I know I know we want to get to this later, D, but I actually think this is a good segue. So in preparing for this, I think I told you we do research a lot of times. Sometimes we both know who we have on because it's somebody we have in common and sometimes we have no idea. But I came across, so I thought I knew all of your stuff 
because I'm following on social media, but I came across your vlogs on YouTube and I was, um, super interested because a lot of them, I I can't say that I watched everyone, but some of them really touched on a very mature, um, sort of thought process around life and spirituality. And I'm just wondering when that became, because your, your comment just now, like, you know, I find different ways of, it's not that, that's not the same measure of success I had when I was younger is not what it is now. When did you start to sort of uh, think about those things differently and, and start to become more spiritual or more, uh, yeah, I I was, I, it's funny because I didn't know that about you until I watched the vlogs. Not that I should, but just never came up. Um, well. I, I feel this personally, like, you know, there was a time when I tried to like really step back from the business and work behind the scenes and I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. There. So I, I did work, you know, transcendental meditation, I started doing martial arts, I started just changing different parts where it wasn't just all comedy. And I felt like that really broadened me as a person, being able to see different avenues and just make mistakes more and just not be so myopic. It's got to be one way or the other. So that alone, even those blogs, like I used, to have, I used to have another YouTube channel back in the day called Raising Daisy. And we had one of the first YouTube parties. We had like a lot of followers. And every, every video we got was like 30, 40,000. And so, sometimes, sometimes uh, I, I was thinking, well, why am I even doing these blogs? Because like really they don't get like maybe, maybe under 100 views if I'm lucky because the algorithms change so much on YouTube. But for me, there's a certain fan base that watches it maybe you know whatever it is and they always write me and it it helps them and i feel like it helps me too just to express myself in a different avenue without being it in sketch form or writing it's just like another form of human spirit which you can convey through youtube which i like a lot so that's why i've been doing those vlogs so i think they're great and I don't know if they've come up more during this time in your home and it's sort of the way your um, your creativity is sort of transforming because you are home, but I think they're very authentic. And that's what I find so interesting about your journey specifically now. Um, so I can see why people, because you're, you equate a lot of your life experiences to that spiritual journey, which we know, um, you know, I think we're all kind of searching a little bit for for what we're supposed to be doing. I want to ask a question that he touched on earlier about comics. Ironically, this is the grand irony from someone who's not funny at all. Um, I think (laughs) that all comics are like jokers. You know, I I think they're these happy-go-lucky people that just make everything better. And I think, you know, one of, I don't know if I've ever shared with this with you, Preeti and Theron, we're friends now, so I will share this with you and our five viewers um i have a phobia of clowns and it all started very vividly when i i'm getting to a point <laughs> it started no, when i was three years old um my brother and i i have a twin what's up franklin if you ever listen and we were asked to be on this like jerry lewis telethon at our like on behalf of our school and we got brought down to the little local news station in our town felt like a big deal and we had to go to the green room my first green room at three years old and ronald mcdonald was there and other people but of course a three-year-old is like ronald ronald but ronald was in the corner 
looking sad as hell. His head was hung down. He, he was in full makeup in the costume. And that sight burned like scars into my brain. I'm like, but but they're supposed to smile. But they're, what, what, how is this? How is he not happy? It deeply disturbed me. I, I, <laughs> I'm getting worked up again just thinking about it. I kid you not. And from that moment on, I've had a thing about clowns. Like, mm, it's all front. So comedians later on, I came to hear, also struggle with this duality of, on the one hand, this gift for making people laugh, but also feeling a deep amount of inner tumult. Can you speak to any of that? Um, have you experienced any of that? Does it influence any of your work? Yeah, I mean, I do struggle time to time from just sadness, which is just, I don't know if it comes from comedy or just life stuff, but I mean, it's definitely part of my wiring of to have those highs and lows. And I, for a while it did fuel my comedy where it was really dark, where I was like, oh, I'm the dark comedian because I'm just going to process everything that's in my head. But then I realized that you can kind of filter out those thoughts and you have to just be aware of it and not let it run through you like a, a Mack truck. And I'm sure that's not just comedians, that's people in general dealing with their own life day to day. In terms of your, uh, your question about comedy and depression, yeah, I've seen that all around. Like I've, a couple of my friends have killed themselves. I mean, I've seen that all the time. Uh, the oh com God. comedy store is a big club here. You know, there's a definitely dark, dark vibe to that whole energy. You know, they thrive off the, the negative depression, whatever of comics. And that can be funny too, you know, this way you twist it. But I think it's, Part of the fabric of comedy has been around forever. I don't know. I can't explain why that is. You know, I'm sure you can research, but like Robin Williams to whoever, Jonathan Winters, like it's part of the history of comedy, but it's definitely not something which obsesses, makes me, it's not my identity for sure. Like I, I don't make that my identity at all. And what do you do to, to stay on the sunny side? Well, I think in general, just as a person, not just being a comedian, everyone's got to figure out how their brain works, like what triggers them, like what makes them sad, what makes them happy and be aware of that. So you can catch it early. You're not, you're not that person. There's like another layer underneath that. So you can latch onto that and be present versus, you know, past future and, and be locked into some human, you know, mental construct that we're creating in our mind. Like that's just like basic spirituality 101. So I don't think it's just comedy. I think for me, it's just being aware and going moment to moment and doing what I like to do. Drinking coffee. I like making my videos. I like, you know, I like making my vlogs and you kind of stick, make it simple. And that's made it a lot easier. I love it. I love it. You know, I, I have a couple friends who um, have restaurants or work in the food industry. And I find that they are some of the people I hate going out to eat with because they have such high standards. I'm curious, what do you find funny? What do I find funny? Mm -hmm. um, I, find, I, I find, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I find funny. This is a secret. Like I don't even wa like watching stand up sometimes, you know, cause it's just, I've seen so much stand up, but if I see someone go on stage for the very first time on stage, like I have to watch it because it's their very first time and they're doing things that's so organic and authentic that you can't fake being on stage for the first time without 
being locked into a routine or whatever. They're just doing things that they're not realizing they're doing. And they might, they might not be getting any laughs at all. But for me, that's interesting. And that can be sometimes hilarious to see that, you know, whether it's a train wreck or it's hilarious to see that, that, that freshness to it. So I guess there's this, anything that's an attempt of being original is very funny to me. Do you remember your first time? Co- comedy. I'm yeah, of course. yeah, I do. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a bad show and it was pretty awful. I don't think I get any laughs and that was it. Oh. It was fine. I mean, it was my first time on stage, but it was definitely awkward. I definitely made it awkward because I didn't understand anything. But, you know, I knew that going in, though. I knew that it was not going to be pretty. So I tried to just rebound. So now that you've done stand-up for a while, what do you feel when you get up there? You grab that microphone and you're just killing it. How does that make you feel? It feels good. Honestly, though, I don't really feel stand-up is like even my main forte. Like I feel like I'm, I can survive on stage, but I never felt like I'm this – I felt like I'm, I can manageable comedian. I can do a lot of different shows. I have an act. But I never felt like I was really living, you know, my purpose on stage where I'm just this visceral connection. Like I, I sort of do it. In fact, I started doing a character on stage like maybe like a year, two years ago. And that does better than my normal act. It's because it's like a different energy to it. So it's this weird stand-up is a different for everybody. And I hate to say that it's based on how much laughs you get. But just to stick to your question, it does feel good to have that authentic connection with an audience, you know, right in front of you. You tell a joke, you get laughs right back. It's a great segue to my question that you set up for me so nicely, Tharn. Who is Bobby Khan? Uh, Bobby Khan is a is a Bollywood character from India. <laughs> He's trying to make it in Hollywood, and it's a movie. It's a movie character I did for a feature movie that I produced and, and co-wrote and acted in uh, in 2010. So, yeah, that, that's where the the character came from. A sketch actually from Showbiz India, where I used to host a TV show. So we, we used to have these different comedy sketches and we did like a Bobby Khan sketch about this Indian guy, a playoff of Shah Rukh Khan, who's a big Bollywood star. So it started there and just progressed. Dee Dee's so, very familiar with Shah Rukh Khan. She loves his movies. I got to meet him, story, but Dee? you know, not, not, not dropping no names. Y'all put it out there, it wasn't me. <laughs> so if you just reference the fact that you are super multi-hyphenate, but you started out wanting to, or it sounded like you were pursuing just the comedy. When did you branch out to the other things and why? What what led to that blossoming? Well, I always felt the stand-up would eventually take me there at some point because I, I knew if it came close. A couple, I, I had a couple of meetings to be like writers for like different people. It's never never evolved, but I've heard stories of comics starting as stand-ups and they evolve different things. And when it wasn't happening, like people wasn't there's no there's no lifeboats coming. When I realized that, when I got to LA, I got hired on a TV show where I was a host, and we had our own segment, and we got to produce our own work. And I was like, wow, we can actually just make our own stuff. Like you can do that. And I went to school with uh, Andy Samberg. Like he was in a couple of my classes, and so. I just remember when I talked to him out here, he blew up. Like he was making his own stuff, and he got on SNL. 
So, I mean, that was in the back of my head. I was like, all right, I went to film school. I know how to make stuff. But to actually make stuff guerrilla style, that was a new skill that I had to learn out here and develop. And uh, it was something that was always in the back of my mind. I just never acted on it until I got to L.A. And about how many years was that kind of awakening to like, wait, I, I just got to be my own, put my own S on my chest and be my own Superman. It took seven years. I mean, seven years between going to school, three years in New York, and then came out here. And then when I got to L.A., that's when I started picking up, making my own stuff. Yep. Uh, I, re I recently read your book, uh, Laughing in Hell. I appreciate so, it. Um, What's it so, called? I don't want them to miss the title. Say it again. We will put it in all of our, I think, uh, uh, Laughing in Hell is what it's called. This is what it looks like. Yay. Um, what? Uh, so it's it's kind of, it's obviously not solely based on your experience. I mean, it is based on your experience. I think it exaggerates in a couple of areas. Um, but when did you decide to write this and, and why did you want to put this out there? I just wanted to write something that was kind of based on true experiences. Like a lot of the stories are true, as sad as that is. So, and I wanted to not hold anything back. I tell you, I tell you what, D, you, uh, D, you haven't read it, right? It will, no, that but first I'd love paragraph. To one of those stories. Yeah. You know, first to paragraph, share one. That first paragraph, I was like, should I water this down? I was like, you know, you know what? Let me just put exactly how it was being a comic, you know, like. And I, and I was reading it. Way? No, I was reading it and I'm like, no, wait, oh, no, but no. Okay. All right. That's where he is going with this. And it took me a couple seconds to realize what was going on. And this is a teaser for you, Didi, to go get it and read it because the will. first paragraph will capture you for the rest of the time. But, um, so, I mean, some of it, well, it wasn't all true. I mean, I think there were some parts, wait, did you really meet a Bollywood actress and then she helped you become this big star? I mean, I I was working on a show and I was, I mean, I don't wanna, I don't want to drop anything specifically, but like a lot of those things, I didn't become a huge star, but I mean, I was cast on a Disney show, you know, like a lot of things did happen, you know, from that I just took from my life and dropped into the book. And I wanted to make sure that was um, in the book. So that way I just had it for myself. It was more of like an expression. It's like a novella where I, I was like, just wanted to have something that reflected, and you're right, it is a lot of it's exaggerated. In fact, <laughs> let me just say, it's not based on anybody real, so I don't get sued. It's not based on anybody real, everything's fiction. But I wanted I wanted it to just have an expression, have that part of my life in a book form. I've heard it said that all fiction is autobiography and all autobiography is fiction. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know if that if that yeah, is true. But um, so, how do you feel best describing where you are now as an artist? I feel good. In fact, I was just telling a friend of mine, I was like, I think I'm living my ideal life aside from the lockdown does suck. But I mean, I make my own stuff. Like I was, I've been writing nonstop, you know, behind the scenes. Like I, I work out at night, like everything's pretty good. Like Obviously, like I need my income stream, which will come when auditions pick up again. I mean, I make my living pretty much off commercial acting and print modeling and occasional TV stuff. But creatively as an artist, it's pretty good. Like I'm very self-sufficient. 
I can make whatever I want to make. I can write what I want to write. So I feel very blessed that I, I have the knowledge and the skill to do that. So, so I feel good about it. You seem very Zen-like about this. I, I think that being in California, being in cramped up New York right now, anything feels like a better place to be. But uh, would you have, do you have any advice perhaps for, for any of our listeners who might be on the cusp of wanting to start something that seems absolutely impossible, like economically, uh, in terms of uh, feasibility, but it's what their soul just feels led to do. I'm asking for myself and not a friend. Yeah, well, I, I was telling someone today, you know what, here's a quick story. So my friend asked me to join a, a writer's group on Zoom, right? So I went to that and it really wasn't for me. Like the, the writer's group was fine. They're all fine. But I told my friend I get more out of actually doing the work. I don't need someone to tell me to motivate me to work. And I appreciate all the opinions, but I was like, I was like, for me, you have to just do the work and execute. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. You've got to do the work. Like you can talk about writing all the way. You can talk about acting. You can talk about producing. But you actually do it and do things that are manageable so you can do it consistently and get better and develop. That's how you grow as an artist, in my opinion. I mean, that's just what I've taken away from it. And if you, if you can't do that, then you should be in places where you're around people like that. And the writers group's great. You can talk to other writers. If you want to be an actor, take acting classes. You can be around other actors. You can figure out stuff about the community. You can always learn. But at the end of the day, you have to do the actual work to advance and perfect your craft. No shortcuts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's tremendous. Thank you for that. But I, I, D, we were talking about this the other day, even with the podcast and just some of the stuff we were wanting to put out there. And it's, we always come back to the same thing, which is the rest of it doesn't matter. Let's just do the podcast. You know, people will ask us, you know, why are you doing it or what's the end goal? And we're always like, no, there is no, I mean, we just like doing the podcast. <laughs> and it's interesting how many people keep asking that question of why you're doing it. And so I think there, and it's great for people to, to just create, you know, whatever your medium is, if you, to your point, if you need some sort of external motivation, mm -hmm. uh, get it, but just to keep doing it regardless. Yeah. Look, when I made that feature movie, me and my, my partner, we were like, well, we were trying to raise money for years and we were like, let's just start shooting a movie. And we started shooting on weekends and took us like three years to finish it. So that happened only because we actually went out and did it. I was talking to another friend. We were going to shoot another series. And he was like, well, if we shoot, I was like, why are we doing this? I was like, are you, are you behind the idea? So, well, if we can do this, we can cash in on the South Asian thing, which we continue. And I was like, dude, where you're thinking of like X, Y, Z, like 10 steps ahead. Like, do you even want, that? I, I don't want that. Like, I don't, who knows where it's going to take you. So, I mean, you've got to re be really married to the idea and the execution of it and the journey of it without thinking about the actual results where you're going. With all that you've learned on your journey thus far, what would Thern of today tell the graduating Thern of NYU coming straight out of film school about how to get through the next leg of the journey? I mean, maybe start meditating earlier. I mean, there's really, honestly, I would, 
for, I, I used to think about that before. If I would, I would definitely not want to do it all over again because it was too much, you know, just too much mentally, emotionally. But I would try to enjoy, enjoy it more. Like I definitely didn't enjoy my life where I thought maybe as being a South Asian guy, you feel like you have to just, when we study in school, like this is part of the deal of, of advancing. You've got to just grind it out. And I thought that was part of it. I have to grind it out and punish myself. That's the way to advance. That's, that's BS. I mean, you can enjoy the journey too, you know, and I feel like I did not give myself permission to do that coming up as a young kid. Well, I hope you're giving yourself that permission now because you're still a young guy and you're still very handsome and you look, the sky's the limit. Oh, thanks. And you're yeah, in I, LA, you're in La La Land. Anything is possible. Yeah, it is. And look, I mean, it's day to day too. I mean, every day is different. Every It's still, it's still not perfectly easy. It's not, it's not a struggle, but I mean, it's a different innovative day and I've got to just be the best version of myself, whatever challenges come up. And there are some days where you're not, and there are some days that suck, but I guess your point is just keep going, you know, cause it, it sort of, that I think is the best thing about getting older. Um, when you said I wouldn't want to do it again, sometimes I think about that and I'm like, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, some of the things of youth, <laughs> just more like sometimes I can't see in the dark. Actually, I can't see in the dark anymore. Um, but I would not mentally want to go back to that space at all it, because I think that's the best part of getting older. You know, the grooviness of of sort of settling into who you are and what you're supposed to be or just who you are. That's a big one in and of itself. Yes. Yes, for sure. If you, In fact, I was... I've been doing these vlogs since like 2008 when I had my old channel. So you can pull up like an old vlog from like 2008 or 9, Clarence Thoughts on RaisingDaisy.com. And it's like a different person. I'm, I'm like, who is this person even like? Like I was just trying to be this, you know, young, cocky kid. And I was like, man, if that's how I was, like, thank God I went through X, Y, Z so I can get to this point. So maybe there was like a silver lining going through whatever you had to do, you know, to reach another state of mind. Well, we will certainly be following the next portions of the evolution as they unfold. I, I firmly believe you've got still more years ahead of you than you got behind you. So press think, on yeah. and, you and shine well. on. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. Darren, where can people follow you, find you, like you, stay connected? Well, wait. I don't. Before we get to that, I think we oh, have sorry. a couple more minutes. What it? What I have? I have a big question. Go for it. What? What it? What is the next iteration of Theron? Like, where are you focusing your time and energy right now? And we talked a little bit about the vlogs, but if you were to say, "Hey, in two years, um, I hope my creativity takes me here," or "This is what I hope to sort of produce," what does that look like? Sure. Um, well, I wrote another book, like. The first one was like a more like a novella, so I can practice. The second was like a real book, so I've been I've been working on that for like a year and a half, and I finished that, so I'm really happy about that. I'd love to have like like Congrats. a yeah yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool. I mean, it's really hard, but I'd love to have like that part of like my life of just like writing content. And I'd also like to create, you know, be a content creator and have like uh, my own brand of some sort where I'm making uh, like a show where I can produce and you know direct and act, hopefully on my own. So I'm always searching for that. And the way I do that is through Instagram, putting stuff on Facebook, seeing what resonates, seeing how it resonates with me and just keeping that train moving forward. 
your book, what sort of is, is it another fiction novel? Is it, what is it? Same thing. It's a fiction novel. Yeah. It's, it's based on, it's about a kid who goes to boarding school and it's how we adapt to boarding school. So, so yeah, I put a lot of, again, it's all fiction again, but it was, it was, took me a long time to actually write that book and I'm really happy with it. And, you know, I'm going to keep, I feel like I, you asked me about what I would tell myself when I was younger. I'm trying to play the Hollywood game a lot more. Like when I was coming up, I just said, F you to Hollywood. I'm not going to audition. And now I'm really trying to play the Hollywood game as well. Like I've, I did a few TV things this past year, movie things, because I've been trying to just be more mainstream. Like I realized I can't do it all by myself. And a lot of these things are, are can synergize together and help each other and elevate each other. So I'm trying to play the game a little bit better. Think it's a little easier for you to do now than it was back then? Mentally? Mentally, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, just as an actor, sometimes it's hard because I think youth you know, rules Hollywood uh, and they're always looking for the next guy. So, but mentally I'm way stronger for sure. Like you can throw a brick at me, I wouldn't even move, it's fine. And I also feel good, like working behind the scenes. I understand that business. Like that used to scare me. Like you know, talking with agents and like business people. Like I, I understand that world fairly well, and I'm like that does not scare me at all anymore. So I feel really secure about who I am and what I'm making. And if people say no, that's also okay. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that resilience is pretty amazing. I feel like many people at that first stand-up comedy who, you know, no one laughed at your jokes would be like, okay, this is not something I can do. And I feel like it's it's worth noting that, um, you know, resilience is a big part of this game, right? Because you got to keep doing it. I mean, you're going to get a thousand and one no's. I'm like saying it as if I know. You're going to get a million no's before you get that one yes. That's, that's what I think. Well, there's also like a delusion with like young kids where I think a lot of my comic friends, it's like, like the, the way they just believed in themselves. It was almost like, this is insane. Like, this is crazy the way how much they believed in themselves. You know, and there's, it, it's so hard, but, you know, you can always break through. Like, I've seen it happen with many people. You can break through, but you just got to get that one spark. And a lot of it's timing as well. It's got to work in your favor. Did you always believe in yourself? Go ahead. Did you always believe in yourself? I did believe in myself as a, probably not as a comedian, as a stand-up, but definitely as a filmmaker and as a, as a writer for sure, and as an actor, like I definitely felt like I could have done damage in certain areas. Probably like comedy-wise stand-up, like I had some, horrible sets that were in front of big time showcases for big time people. Cause I probably was just too scared. Cause I, cause like, the thing about being so spread out is sometimes it can diffuse your confidence as well. Cause I, I wasn't on the road nonstop, but when I would just do stand up nonstop every night, it's like you're a different person on stage. But when you're in LA, it's hard to just do that. You can't just do stand up and tour in Tennessee and come back. You've got to be doing so many different things. So that's why New York's such a great comedy place because people are just about stand-up, you know, and that's why they're killers on stage in New York. I wonder that. 
Um, Thurn, you're uh, you're not currently, but let's. You're 55 years old. Where are you, and what are you doing? He's not 55 now, so way into the future. I'm doing. I'm doing the ballet effect. Doing another part. Yes. <laughs> We're doing repeats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm. I'm just doing. I'm. I'm making what I want to make, and and I'm and I'm, I'm happy moment to moment. I mean, if I can do that, if I've found peace of mind, and I can sustain this, and I've got good people around me, then I'm good with that. Are you looking to motivate or inspire or be a role model for the artists coming behind you? Yes and no. I mean, I, I definitely don't try to make stuff for artists. You know, I, I try to make stuff for my audience, you know, in terms of like what they want. But I've had many people write to me, you know, in terms of like advice, and I try to help them as much as possible. Like my blog, I've tried to do that. You tell them from my experiences, like I wish I had like a mentor to like show me the way. It's also changed a lot for South Asians, especially in the past, you know, five years yeah. even, like even past two years has changed. So if it if it has helped, I know like DCOC was a web series I made. I know that influenced a lot, and a lot of people have been emailing like, oh, you guys did this show. It's like a show right now about Indians, and my friends are like, oh, you did you did a similar show about DCOC, you know, X Y Z, uh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. And I'm glad. I hope that did inspire people. You know, I think that's what's great about being an artist is having a legacy and having stuff that can actually motivate people and change the culture. So if we did that, awesome. I feel great about that. You did that. And I think, you know, look, from personal experience, and I was I was talking to Didi about this. Um, I think when we grew up, we didn't see a lot of South Asians represented in the arts. And you just mentioned it's changed. But I was always drawn to really, truly anyone in that space who was doing it anyway um, that I knew that I came across. Right? We we certainly had a few folks here and there, but I, I that is one of the reasons you know that we wanted to talk to you, and one of the reasons why I do find you so phenomenal that you started and you never really deviated. It didn't matter that no one else was really around or that you didn't have, you know, a bunch of South Asians doing it. So I think, I think that's inspirational for anyone who feels as though, like, I don't know, man, I don't see anyone like me doing this, or I don't see, you know, I don't see a path forward because you really didn't have a role, uh, like a, a South Asian role model. Did you, I, I, at least I don't recall. No, but it's anyone also at the time. I mean, Cal, Cal Pan was definitely there acting wise, and Russell Peters was ahead of me comedy wise. Oh, right, right. So, yeah. uh, um, but it's almost like an ignorance to it where you, you don't really think about it because it hasn't really been done. So you're just like kind of part of the flow. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely saw the parts, the, the limited parts. That's why I started shooting my own stuff. But I, def- I, I never thought, oh, what was me? You know, what am I going to do about the, the opportunity in the future? I never saw this coming, like the South Asian movement and Indians and that diversity, which is it's phenomenal. I think you know, I think it's really, really spectacular. And it, you know, it took. I think it took a long time, actually. Which, um, but you know, better late than never. We you are. Know, I have Go ahead, D. I have so many questions. Your the title of your novella, "Laughing in Hell." 
it kind of makes me think of the pandemic that at moments really feels like, damn it, hell. Do you have any, uh, any, any pearls that you would like to share on how we can see the silver in all these clouds? Oh, well, I just made a vlog about that because I'll tell two quick things. So, so I usually um, do jujitsu a lot and I usually go to the gym a lot. It's part of my, my life, like working out. And nice. I hurt my leg, I hurt my leg running on the streets because like I was running so much. So I got compartment syndrome on my leg, my right leg. So I need surgery. So it was a whole thing. I had to like go to the orthopedic on Zoom and da da da. And so I was, I was just really not feeling well about the whole thing. So I went to Malibu like last week to just sit by the ocean. I was like, let me just find some equanimity. And then I dropped my phone in like the rocks. So like I lost my phone. Like okay. <gasps> so I lost my phone, and I lost, and then the surgery thing was like over my head. And for like just everything was just like you know what, screw it, whatever. And I realized it's just a matter of just taking things one day at a time. Like. Yeah, I'll be on crutches. I'm going to get through it eventually. I had to get a new phone. I had to go to Verizon. It was a whole thing. I got through it one day at a time. So I really feel like in the pandemic, you're struggling. It's manageable. You just got to see things, you know, what's in front of you without being so overwhelmed by what could be a big problem in the future. Like live now, right? in The moment versus being overwhelmed, having this onerous thing weigh down on you. You know, Malibu is truly one of my happy places. So even yeah, if my same. leg was broke and my phone was jacked up on a rock, I'd still be in a good place. And, and so I, I appreciate you uh, being able to, you know what? There's still things to be grateful for. Yes, absolutely. Man, I wanna be in Malibu now. Maybe I'll, I'll risk it. They're lifting the restrictions. Another I think podcast. you can fly. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another time Thern yeah. we can't thank you enough thank you so much for joining us today if anyone wants to check out Thern which I highly recommend you can find let me see if I get this right you can find him on all the socials Facebook and Instagram Thern Shetty um, you, you can find him on YouTube at Thern's Thoughts and you have a website no is YouTube see I knew I was going to get the mix up say that again what's on YouTube it's called Think Theron Productions. And also I have like three different Facebook pages. Like I got kicked off of Facebook years ago because I did like a travel show. And so my old Facebook page is still live, but I have no access to it. It's weird. So there's another Facebook page. Has you you know it's me because it has like updated videos. And there's one page with like a lot of fans. I have no access to that. So don't don't add me on that at all. <laughs> Wait, you were a Facebook reject and we didn't get to that okay yeah wow yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a story but i'll have to get it another time it, well we can do that on uh theron shanty part two in yeah. several years like it's he's already committed to our bali effect podcast when i'm 55 yes, yes. that's true yes. which is very 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 far away all right so check him out um and that's it that's a wrap for us thanks theron hey thanks thank for having you have me best of luck to both of you thank you you too we'll be watching cool See you. Bye. 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 Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check us out.